Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. Now, I always like to start these podcasts with a question that I'm being asked more than any other at that point in time. But what's going on is a bit of an open-ended one to deal with. So I want to highlight some factors that were tailwinds for metals markets either last year or earlier this year, which have now turned to become headwinds and importantly, how they might trend over the second half of the year. The first is the developed world industrial cycle, in particular, the durable cycle. As I've stated many times before, metals were a great work-at-home trade. People spending more time at home and saving money on travel or being given money by governments were more willing to upgrade their washing machine or the like. This was a key factor in developed world demand outperformance during 2021. However, this demand impulse was already slowing into the start of this year, and is now giving way to a full-blown down cycle, with the notable exception of autos, where order backlogs persist owing to supply chain issues, and we may see a bit of an uptick in the second half. Given real incomes are under increasing pressure as inflation bites, you should expect further declines in durables demand to the second half. Number two is the stocking cycle, which is extremely important given apparent demand drives commodity prices. As I noted in the last Metal Matters, having panicked in February-March after Russia invaded Ukraine, purchasing managers overordered to ensure they would have the raw material units needed, which exacerbated natural market dynamics. And it now leaves many with excess inventory on the books into a rising interest rate environment. We expect passive destocking to continue for the next quarter, but given you can't destock forever and supply chains are not yet fixed, this is somewhat of a transient headwind. The third, and arguably the more impactful in recent times, is macro asset manager allocation. Think back to the start of the year. We had rampant growth in commodities demand, healthy economic forecasts, and many calling for a super cycle in commodities. This attracted CIOs and macro asset allocators to up their commodity holding generally through the futures market. Now, as expectations of stagflation give way to fears of recession, we are seeing the complete opposite a rotation out of commodities. Just look at the performance of all exchange-traded commodities over recent weeks versus fiscal market dynamics. There's been heavy underperformance of those exchange-traded ones across energy, across agriculture, and across metals. And this has undeniably affected metals and mining equities as well. I would estimate, though it is no more than that, that we're in the sixth or seventh inning of this process, with perhaps more to come over the coming weeks. After that, we may see some more opportunistic buying from longer-term holders, depending on whether China data looks better. And that brings me to the fourth headwind, and the one we're really looking for to turn around. Chinese demand. The first half of this year, let's be clear, was terrible for Chinese demand, with all industrial metals down year-on-year. Given the pro-growth policies, we expect this to get better, though we still need to see it in the data. More on that in a few minutes. I talked about copper in the last Metal Matters, but given its importance to the sector as a whole, I want to revisit this again. Copper prices are now down over 30% from the peak level seen earlier in the year, and for months I've been saying that couldn't justify the current copper price on current copper fundamentals. And for months I've been saying $3.50 a pound or $7,700 a tonne, however you want to look at it, was a level I'd be happier with to revisit increasing exposure. So now we're at or below that level... Is it time to shut your eyes and buy? Typically in down cycles, we look for cost support as a level where copper might bottom, and that is sub $3 a pound. 
still decently below where we are today. Or it might be where the Chinese SRB would step in, which I also think would be sub dollars a pound. However, given in this cycle we don't have that much new supply coming on to push prices lower, though I should note that this week we did see the first production at Anglo-American's Cayaveco operation in Peru, and given it, visible inventory cover is still low and purchasing managers are still nervous, and there's a recency bias in terms of what is a good price level for a purchasing manager. If you think about it, as we emerged from $2 a pound copper in 2020, $3.50 a pound was not a good price level. When you were paying $5 a pound two months ago, $3.50 is a great price. So if we put it all together, what we're trying to assess is where buyers think it's a good level to step back into copper. And as ever, it's best to look to China, given that's where the industrial cycle is starting to improve. I'd be keeping a very close eye on the China import premium for copper cathode. If this starts to pick up to above $100 a tonne on a sustainable basis, what's well, a good indication that Chinese buyers are increasing their call on the global market. So to sum up, I do think this is a level to start looking at copper again, particularly given energy transition spending is one of the few areas of outperformance both in China and the rest of the world. However, I would want to see further improvement in Chinese sentiment before getting too aggressive. While we're talking about the big industrial metals, steel remains the linchpin of the global industrial economy. Steel prices don't paint a great picture of health here, with the latest global export prices down roughly 50% since the start of the second quarter. The only crumb of comfort is that the pace of decline is slowing. Essentially, the world desperately needed Chinese steel exports earlier in the year to make up for lost tons from the Black Sea. What the world didn't need was a scale of export response with Chinese volumes up 50% year-on-year to around 90 million tonnes per annum in a slowing demand environment. You'll notice a common theme in what I'm about to say here. The steel market needs Chinese domestic demand to pick up, as even the sequential steel output cuts we're seeing in China are not enough. If, and it's an if, we see more steel-intensive fixed-asset investment growth in China as the second half progresses, we'd expect the domestic cement price to pick up, closely followed by domestic steel prices. And this would be a signal that Chinese consumers are needing to bid back material from the export market, and in my view would mark a floor in global steel prices. Now, in terms of questions, the US market is where we get the most incomings. And for this, I'd like to borrow from my colleague David Gagliano's latest steel monitor. In the US market, key indicators suggest additional price declines in the near term. Lead times continue to fall. July scrap prices are lower. Domestic US supply additions are still forthcoming. And seasonally slower demand is being amplified by buyers remaining on the sidelines. In terms of potential green shoots, well, we've had a recent sharp recovery in Turkish scrap prices. We've seen narrowing regional spreads and some moderation in the pace of declines in lead times. Now, putting all that together, we might see some potential steel hot roll coal price stabilisation later in the Northern Hemisphere summer. Finally, I wanted to talk about how this Chinese stimulus will be different from those in the past. After all, there are some clear similarities with a pickup in infrastructure spending and an aggressive credit impulse. However, while real estate construction was at the core of previous efforts, with developers still defaulting at the moment, and President Xi adamant that decisions made now will not act as a millstone around the neck of future generations, well, this will play a smaller role in 2022's version. For sure, some property pickup will be needed to drive wider economic confidence and convince the consumer to spend again, but the metals intensity of any stimulus will naturally be lower. So where will we see credit focused in that Chinese economy? We still expect strong support for renewables and electric vehicle build-out, 
I would note that a phenomenal amount of new charging piles have been installed over the past three months. Also, the CBIRC, the country's banking regulator, issued a call to action at the start of this week for the banking sector to step up support for manufacturing to more medium to long-term loans. In particular, the CBIRC wants to see money given to industrial upgrading and advanced manufacturing clusters, but also, importantly, into foreign trade in autos and household appliances. I expect this to lead to increased exports of new energy vehicles from China, perhaps in 2023, You could also view it as a recognition that domestic demand is perhaps not strong enough to support current capacity and appliances into the property market. In terms of positive data, the NDRC has announced plans to construct over 460,000 kilometres of national highways by 2035. Uh, That's up about 382,000 at the end of 2021. So for those who think China's infrastructure build-out is complete, there's still more coming. And Chinese data is finally starting to look better from the credit side and to a certain extent from the end demand side. And as long as renewed lockdowns don't derail things, this should continue over the coming months. Another sequential improvement in July data could convince the wider market that China, and thus metals, have bottomed. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. If you have any questions or suggestions, just get in touch directly. I do hope you can join me next time round to discuss more pertinent issues for the global metals and bulk commodity markets. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton at bmo.com. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure.